Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Everybody, welcome to the What Culture Gaming Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Tilford, joined by Josh Brown. Hello. And Benjamin Richardson. Hello. Now, if you two are together, some of my, my favorite nerds in the world, <laughs> oh, I thought you. we should do a lovely nerdy podcast. Now, we tend to get carried away on our lunch breaks talking about all sorts of different things from the best fishing mini games in podcast, in podcast, in video games to uh, what we're going to talk about today, which we just randomly were talking about gameplay loops the other day. Um, so, we're going to stretch that into a whole podcast. And I promise it's more interesting than it sounds because these sort of things dominate literally everything. Um, particularly. But, Particularly Sonic games. Yes. Oh, 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 since you said Sonic, I'm going to open with a question from the hashtag WCGP tag where people can sort of go on there on Twitter. If you want to leave uh, questions, you know, thoughts and different bits and bobs that you'd like us to talk about, feel feel free to go over on Twitter. Hashtag WCGP. Leave us a question. We'll factor it in. That's what we will do for you. So uh, in this one, uh, this one comes from Nicholas Coombs, uh, who says, in honor of the Sonic movie, best and worst Sonic game. The catch is all the answers must be different. Uh, can I go first? Because yes. I have the, the, the most knowledge on this topic. Uh, the best <laughs> and the worst is Shadow the Hedgehog. Not even a Sonic game. Oh, oh the best and the worst. Best and the worst. Good. One yep. of the only ones I've ever played, so therefore it has to be. That possible. can count for both. Benji, what would you like? Well, I thought Josh was given an ironic answer then until he's no, he the only it. one he's played. Yeah. Um, it's, it's bad, isn't it? If this pains me to say it, but, well, it doesn't pain me that much. Sonic Mania <laughs> is the best Sonic game. Oh, I was going to take Sonic Mania. I was always going to Ask me two years ago and I would have said Sonic 3 and Locked On With Knuckles is the best game ever. Okay, okay. But it's actually somehow surpassed the worst Sonic game. Oh, what a, what a difficult selection. <laughs> pretty much all of them from 2001 onwards. Okay. Yeah. Do you Sonic 4? No, to be fair, Sonic, Sonic Colors is a very fine game about Sonic and a lovable bunch of chromatic sprites <laughs> trying to save a theme park from being... Are you having that one as your, your worst one? No, 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 that's a good one. Okay. My worst one... I, I don't know, Sonic, Sonic, the, the one with the Sonic with the long arms, where he looks like a moon bear. Oh, the werewolf one. Oh, Sonic the, Unleashed with the werewolf. Yeah, Sonic no, Unleashed. but that oh. one is particularly bad. With the werewolf. There's also one where there's Sonic's um, recontextualized as an Arthurian knight. What? Yeah. Okay. I want to play that. We're moving on from this demonic territory. <laughs> I will take um, the original as the best if I can't have Sonic Mania. Um, so Sonic 2. So no, no, the original. Play it again. No, I did. I do all the time. Um, it's best one. I, I like three's uh, snowboarding stuff, but well, I'll take one. Yeah, um, well, anyway, speaking of loops, Sonic 1, a lot of things people liked about it was the loop. Yeah, so really that's, a, that's a nice segue for you. Um, and then worst one, I'll have to take Sonic 2006, I think. 
um, or episode one of Sonic 4, something like that. I will say, I'd like to play more because I played a lot of Sonic games uh, all for about five minutes. I played the classic ones because <laughs> my cousins used to play them. I played Sonic 06. I uh, played Shadow of the Hedgehog, obviously. You didn't play Sonic Mania? Uh, and I didn't play Sonic Josh, Mania. Josh, I, I too can't. Old. Mm. Mm. I just lent you Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Can I take that back and I'll get you Sonic Mania? You'll have to pry it out of my cold, dead hands. Good, happy, as will, long as you I will, play it. I will invite you to my house to play Sonic Mania. Yeah. That sounds like the better um, scenario. Whatever gets you playing Sonic Mania, and I the rest of the to. world also, play Sonic Mania for the love of Sonic himself. Um, but yeah, so that's hashtag WCGP. Please feel free to go on Twitter, leave us some things, and we'll get stuck in. But in terms of this podcast, um, we just literally thought we'd break down gameplay loops. Um, now, this, I did a dissertation on this stuff. Um, just to be to you know throw out the uh, to be fancy as hell mm-hmm. from the opening gambit. Um, there's a dude called um, uh, Andrew Shabilsky who did a whole bunch of uh, academic papers on how gameplay loops dominate gameplay and satisfaction and grind and all that type of stuff. All the lovely stuff. Um, and I, like I said, I factored that into a dissertation that I did a few years ago. Uh, but I kind of want to put it out there: like, how much are you guys aware when you're playing a given game of how much you're in a gameplay loop? I.e., um, a given loop is, for example, in an RPG, you take a quest, you go do the quest, you turn it back in, you get the reward. It's that basic idea applied to every single genre. Yes. You tend to see it most of the time. Um, no, you, you didn't use to. Shabilsky's mm. idea is about compulsion loops, which is a different thing that we'll get into yes, yes. later. But yeah, gameplay loops have existed since the very start of the medium. Like They are the fundamental tenet. If you think of Pong, just what is the gameplay loop of Pong? The ball, or, or the pixels is, mm. comes out of one side <laughs> of the screen, you either hit it or you don't, and the mm. feedback is either, you know, it goes to the other side and you score a point or it goes past you and you lose a point. Mm-hmm. That is the very basic loop upon which that game is built. Pac-Man is similar. It's uh, collect dots, cleave a maze, repeat. Um, you didn't used to see them quite so prominently back then because either they were very simplified, so it wasn't really a thing that you'd con- you'd, you'd step back and study as a mechanic. It was mm. just obvious. Or because it was games used to generally combine a lot of loops that would then progressively build. You see them now because they've become so fundamental in the commercialization of games, mm. particularly games of services, when it comes to loot boxes and progression and paid for progression. Mm-hmm. That was the thing with, uh, like I said, across. Well, I've kind of got a bunch of different notes down, but like, you know, games across the, especially the middle and the end of the 2010s, just literally visualizing, like, you are doing this much damage. If you get this weapon, you'll do yeah. way more damage. Let's keep you hooked. Let's keep R- you on this RPGs loop. are an interesting example because they're one of the few genres that that put the mechanics of the loops to the forefront and mm. actually allow the player to see how the sausage is made, as it, as it were. Yeah, and then uh, you try and upgrade and get a premium sausage to <laughs> yes. keep you going. Um, what's the thing you were going to say, Joe? Just that over the... I think I agree with uh, Benji in that. Over the past decade especially, they've become more transparent in that you are you know, engaging with this loop, whereas back in the day, you used Pong as an example. I suppose... That was less not obvious, but you sort of didn't. It's, it's notice not because obvious it's because it's ab- it's abstracted for one. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas whereas now I feel like, especially in, in open world games, you have the core loop, and then things are added on top of that. Whether it's a story beat or a story mission or something else, yeah. that's is sort of slotted in between or to bolster the gameplay loop. Like you have the meat and potatoes of the game, then you have these extra bells and whistles, which is supposed to set it apart. And it's a strange way to sort of make a game, but I do think it is sort of. It's just there to make you keep coming back and keep engaging in the yeah. systems and mm. feel like you're grinding something I think, out. I think Pong's a, Pong's a strange example because it's based on a real-life sport. which it's also like 50 years old. Mm. Well, they, yeah, they, that's fine. Some but people it, might not have been here then. Well, <laughs> everyone knows Pong. But <laughs> I, I do. I think they do. And, and like it's something that everybody immediately understands without having played a video game, which is why it was so popular. It's mm-hmm. basically just tennis. But if you look at something like uh, Mario Brothers or even Pac-Man, as I mentioned before, as I say, well, it is an ab- abstract concept and it doesn't have uh, like a mandated goal. You figure that out. So you're not really focusing on what 
necessarily you're doing, you are just doing it. Whereas as mm. you say now, it's a checklist. It's literally ticking <laughs> things off a list and that makes you hyper aware of what the game's asking you to do mm-hmm. yeah, and how yeah. it works. It's well, like a numbers game, isn't it? Like mm. you have, you need to clear out 10, you know, enemy bases or you need to inflict 1,000 points of damage. Whereas those systems might have all, always been there, but they were invisible. They, they weren't yeah. so just you were cognizant of. Roll it back here because one of, one of the key tenets of... of a gameplay, what we call it, the mental model, which is the player's understanding of the rules of the game and how every through every iteration of going through the same loop, they update that and they come up with new solutions or they improve upon the existing mm-hmm. solutions. Now, in a game like Super Mario Bros., within the first few seconds, you jump and it's designed so you're more than likely going to hit a block and then you understand, you suddenly then you, want, you learn the rule is that if I jump and hit the block, something comes out of it. Right. Your mental model is updated and then you take that into the next thing. You see an enemy, you think, okay, what if I jump on it? That works and then again, that that feedback you, mm-hmm. you at this moment you don't know really what you're trying to do in the stage where it's going to go you don't have the end you're going to jump on a flagpole mm-hmm. but by the time you get to it because of your prior experiences you have enough to have worked out and it feels like you've actually accomplished it yourself it's mm-hmm. like an aha moment <laughs> whereas as josh is saying the game up front tells you kill 10 enemies to get this experience and then you can move on to the next if there is no mental model mm-hmm. it's just this it's a set of instructions well, do this and do that yeah that's the thing that i was going to say about like like recognizing this stuff when you play those games like for me games like the division or uh, warframe or these big sort of and they tend to be the looter shooters where it's like I said the numbers ping off a certain character you get given very specific goals you have daily uh, grinds to get back to I'm very much aware that I, I sometimes refer to it as like junk food gaming like I have to be in a very specific mood where I just I know it's going to take up like two th- I can just lose two three hours playing through this thing and I don't know if that's the same with you guys where you sign up to that kind of thing well I think live services in particular are like a big example of how gameplay game loops is like a sort of phrase and a concept has been mm-hmm. kind of normalized for people who don't make games and I think that's because when it comes to those types of experiences mm-hmm. you're supposed to be getting rewarded for your time but the rewards come so th- like thick and fast that every 15 minutes or something you get a new weapon that you're supposed to trade out for an old one and it, it, it rewards those short-term bur- bursts those daily challenges to get you back into the game without it feeling like a chore you, mm. it's not like you're going to play it for two hours and then you're going to get a story beat or something it's you're going to get a reward in 15 minutes if you check off this list mm. then you're going to do it again and then you're going to get something else that keeps you engaged and I think it's just a different way of trying to engage the player than how titles used to where it was more well the, the goals were either either a bit more abstract or they were more linear in their progression that you were going from one story beat to the next or mm-hmm. one or, level to the next or they were more meaningful yeah. as you've just mm-hmm. mentioned there it's a phrase or, or a term that players didn't used to be aware of because most players didn't get to see inside the inner workings of game design it was a mystery and it was something well, logical. Yeah, that's what I was going to say is like, because they've made them so much more obvious, for me, it makes me bounce off stuff where I'm so aware of how I'm being played. Like, yeah. you know, go chase this like purple tier loot item. Um, you know, whereas like in older games, maybe it's because we were younger and we wouldn't analyze it as much. But I feel like the more obvious they've made it, the more popular those games have become. But for me, less of the magic is there. Well, you, more often than not, you didn't know what was around the next corner. Mm. And, and that's partly because your investment was different now because you're expecting the game to be so long, you need to know that the time you're putting in is going to actually be worth it. Mm-hmm. So it's important to constantly be giving players the rewards and also tell them that the reward is coming. Mm-hmm. Whereas yeah. before, you could withhold it for a while and just say, play the game and enjoy it. Yeah, I think games do a bad job of telling well, you how long it's going to be as well. This is why I think some people really struggle with a game like... And even me, I'm an example on, on this, like Animal Crossing, which doesn't have mm-hmm. a very clearly defined goal. The idea is to just go in, be social, and just live in that village. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it has its own, its little micro loops, like yeah, it's fishing couch. and it's digging mm-hmm. and paying fish. off your rent. So there, there is a there is a feedback loop there, mm-hmm. but like the overall objective isn't clear. You could play that for five hours and accomplish nothing. Yeah, but it's basically it's, you have to devise your own. 
mm. your own objectives and that that uh, it's a hard sell. I think like and, and yeah, I think like transplanting that across to like open world stuff as well. Like sometimes um, something like Assassin's Creed Odyssey or like to some degree The Witcher Three, like you said, you bounced off that a little bit. And it's like the bigger you make those games, the bigger the loops get, and the easier mm-hmm. it is to fall off but at what point you're supposed it's to. Because be on. for trick you into believing that you're enjoying it. That's yeah. not the Witcher ah. Three is highly enjoyable. No, 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 no. See, the Witcher Three is highly Lord. enjoyable, and and this is this is a really important distinction. Yes, it's because you can very reductively boil down a lot of games to very similar loops nowadays, particularly open world RPGs, mm. open world adventures like the Witcher Three, like Fallout, like Skyrim, like Assassin's Creed, as mentioned. Mm-hmm. It's not necessarily the loop itself that counts. It's the wallpaper that's plastered over the top. What mm. what drives you forward in the Witcher Three of the characters, narrative, the settings. Um, not for me personally, because I became disinvested halfway through, and, I, and then I realised I was. Hang on, if I take all that away, I'm basically just doing the same thing over mm-hmm. and over again mm-hmm. and getting nothing out of it. Mm-hmm. That's why I bounced off Assassin's Creed games yeah. in the mid 2000s because it didn't have the set dressing to support the loop, and the loop was all it had. No. Every single time I unlocked a new area, I knew it would just be the same activity yep. repeated, and I thought, why, why if it's only going to be a bigger building well, or yeah. something so that's, that's artificial? That's why a game like Anthem, which is what kicked off this discussion. Mm. Is, it struggles so Before much. Before we started recording. Yeah, it's because the, the, the core gameplay loop there is basically everything you've ever seen. It's by by design, commercially, like it's commercialised. Mm-hmm. And the wallpaper on top of that has equally been picked to be the most commercially viable as well, which means it's totally sold in both capacities. Well, that, that's the thing, right? Does that, like, that immediately puts me off, but I guess there's probably, like, I mean, obviously, like, those games, like, Anthem still sold fairly well. I mean, yeah. obviously, its reputation isn't very good, but there are, there is something of a market for people who want, they want to know exactly what they're buying into, and something like a Ghost Recon Wildlands or The Division. Well, like, that is, you know. that's your example of junk food. Yes. You buy it because you know exactly what it is, and you know you enjoy it, even though it might not necessarily be the most nourishing or interesting mm-hmm. experience. But like you were saying about, uh, or Josh, you mentioned like you know that drive to get through something like the newer assassin's creeds are very much content the game yeah like here is a million different loops that you can invest in um, and I, i'm not that's not necessary to discount that i do think ac origins has a really good main character and, and a really good uh drive odyssey less so um and like the dlc for odyssey is just ridiculous you go to like atlantis and it's just <laughs> here's more ridiculous stuff um but they're like up front and center just saying like here's more here's more of the thing go go do some more loops um and i go to those games when i've exhausted everything else and i don't know if like because you played through days gone which which is kind of one of those games. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 a fine line, I think, because hmm. you get those that just do feel like junk food, and they're not giving you anything other than you know the satisfaction of engaging with the loop, whether that's killing zombies or looting bases hmm. or sneaking around or whatever. In Days Gone, for me, it had just enough of a story in there and a world that I cared about to keep me going. Right. But like I said, st- stuff like the but not more recent Assassin's Creed's, you know, the 2015's Assassin's mm-hmm. Creed's, the syndicates and such. Mm-hmm. They didn't didn't have that draw, whereas something like Breath of the Wild, we were talking about this before we started recording, and mm-hmm. that's slightly different, but essentially kind of the same, you know, where you're doing more or less the same thing. You but, are, but, but the, the, the big difference with Breath of the Wild and why, why it's such a success is because it puts the focus on discovery. It, mm-hmm. it, it doesn't have a checklist of that. I mean, it sort of has a vague outline of what you should be doing, and you know get powerful at beat Ganon. You know if you go to shrines, you're going to improve and things like that. But you don't know where they are. It's it's up to you to find them and set your own objectives. And that's so much more engaging as, as a consequence. Mm-hmm. So then like Assassin's Creed, um, like in Syndicate, it's very much you're doing the same thing after 30 hours that you are after the first half hour. Whereas Assassin's Creed uh, Origins and Odyssey, they give you this massive skill tree that you know it's, okay, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to get to that, to that for another sort of 10 hours. Um, Breath of the Wild, though, gives you everything in the opening 20 minutes. But there are like ways to combine those elements, those different powers and physics models and stuff. That's, that's because it's, you, know, that you it's, won't find for ages. Because it's it, all its core game, gameplay loops are very, very start, as you say. You mm-hmm. know how to kill kill enemies and using your items is exactly the same in hour one as it is in hour fifty. Mm-hmm. 
but it sort of organically changes that based on how you le learn to understand how the rules of the world work. It doesn't tell you all its rules up front, even though they exist, you have to discover them. Mm -hmm. Whereas other games will say, oh, you can use an axe to cut down a tree, and then you'll do that and you think, great. No. But, then, okay. but, 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 but the moment you discover that in Breath of the Wild, it's a fantastic moment. It's, a, it's one of those aha moments, and then you yeah. add it to your mental model, and you take that forward, and it, it recontextualizes the previous challenges. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's it. All of the shrines in Breath of the Wild are, they're not cut and paste in the level design, but the way they look and stuff, mm -hmm. yeah. and the, the noises they make. But I was always shocked when I went in one of those shrines and completed it, and then thought, have I done that the way the developers intended me to get out of that? <laughs> or have I just sort of, you know, made figured a, out a way yeah, to do it? Figured out a weird way to do it. And that sort of sense of surprise and the experimentation with the mechanics mm. does keep that game like the yeah, like the element of surprise is so huge mm. and the mystery and the driving force of exploration and journeying through that map is like the is what makes that game so special. The fact that you don't really have, you know, a pinpoint on a map that you're going to just go straight towards and ignore everything else because mm -hmm. you want to get to the next. And if you do have a pinpoint on a map, it's one that you create yourself. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I was going to say, like, something like you said, like, ch uh, chopping down the tree, Anthem, or even the new Dragon Ball has very specific goals. It would literally have said, right, now go chop down 20 trees. And it's like, and because you're making more visible the the loop that's supposed to be in the background, it, it, I don't know, it contributes to those other factors like immersion or like a, a, a drive to get through the whole thing, which I think that, like I said, so many other games just they itemize everything you know and that it's, makes it's, it more boring it's such a nintendo me, thing yeah. and, and and throughout the 90s and and when nintendo at the i'd say but maybe the, not necessarily the creative peak but we're considered at the time the mm -hmm. only company that was doing it used to refer to the nintendo magic like that but they used to get compared to disney like that they'd sprinkle all the games with this this ephemeral fantastical quality and the, the trick is like all good magicians is to hide the hmm. magic, you know, yeah. when you hide how it's being done, mm -hmm. you don't tell people up front this works because this works, you know. And that, that that's they're one of the only companies who seem to do that these days. Yeah, I think there'll be a there'll be a, there'll be a big change going forward because I think even EA at the minute are starting to like re, uh, redistribute a lot of their teams and sort of try to prioritize creativity again. But the 2010s very much became endemic of like this is a numerically driven industry. Like you know, make the numbers go up, get invested, and in getting you loose all that yeah. type of stuff. Yeah, I fell right off um, Ghost Recon, not Breakpoint, Wildlands, Wildlands, the one before, because that game is structured the exact same and is Far Cry Five. It's a mm. miracle I completed Far Cry Five. I just about. <laughs> got through because both those games have the same structure where you have a big map you have lieutenants that are overseeing part of the map and you need to do a handful of side missions in those areas to eventually face off against the lieutenant mm. take those out and clear each area in the exact same way it's like way. a chore list it, it is like a chore <laughs> list when, when you see that on the screen when you see everyone's face when you do it once or twice and you know that's the rest of the game no matter how satisfying it is or how well drawn the characters are mm. there's something about seeing that and having the game play all its cards in the first few hours that just puts me off entirely yeah and I think that if I've got written down here like it reminds me of the arcade mentality where it's like you know exactly what you were putting a coin in for you're gonna have this exact experience and it's gonna be finite and then you'll be away to do something else they're forgettable disposable experiences it's, it's exactly the same as the arcade arcade mm -hmm. experience except you pay all your coins up front you pay 5,000 mm. coins up front or 50,000 yeah. coins up front and then you're expecting right now I want 50,000 turns mm -hmm. so if you have to give it to you but it's like a, to the same token like you know like like I said you knew exactly what you were buying into but across the 2000s it was this, this massive boom even from companies like EA that were putting money into like the Simpsons game and Dead Space and everything um, that were doing more sort of expansive games I kind of I hope that in the next generation we go back to that stuff again where they realise that there is still a, a lucrative you know reality to variety and creativity 
creativity just as much as there is on doubling down on loops instead. Yeah, definitely. I mean, um, I've been playing Red Dead Redemption 2 mm. again recently, which I've talked about I a lot. I think time. it's interesting you bring this up. Okay. I'm weird to see where you go with this. And I know, I know Benji <laughs> has just finished, as he says, Horse Game 2, which I'm a big fan <laughs> of. But um, yeah, playing that game, you can look at its sort of base mechanics and its base mission structure, which is very much ride to this place, shoot a bunch of people, ride back, probably get shot on the way back, yep. talk to your camp. And it's very kind of rote in the way it deals out most of its main story missions. There are some ex exceptions, but often it's like, put this wheel back on the wagon and stuff. But I don't mind <laughs> that. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Before we go any further, I want to talk to you about today's sponsor, Masterclass. With the amount of time we spend discussing and analyzing video games on this channel, it's always good to understand exactly how these experiences are put together. And fortunately for me, I can do just that with Masterclass. With Masterclass's streaming service, you can learn from the best to become your best, studying and growing with over 200 plus of the world's leading instructors. For me, I've been having a blast using a class on video game design by The Sims creator Will Wright to find out exactly how game mechanics are designed around player psychology as well as learning how important playtesting is to shipping the titles that you and I both love. But it hasn't stopped there, as I've also been brushing up on my practical filmmaking skills directly from my favourite movie director Martin Scorsese, as well as trying to get back in the cooking game with Roy Choi's amazing course on intuitive cooking. Seriously, my kitchen is a mess, but my belly has never been more grateful. For just $10 a month, an annual membership with Masterclass gets you unlimited access to courses on your phone, computer, smart TV, or even via audio-only modes. Even better, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, and 88% of members feel that the service has made a positive impact on their lives. And to put the cherry on top of that cake, right now, What Culture Gaming listeners get an additional 15% off any annual membership at masterclass.com forward slash gaming. That's 15% off at masterclass.com slash gaming. What's that? You want it one more time? Well, that's the URL masterclass.com forward slash gaming. Right, now I'm going to watch Tony Hawk try to teach me how to ollie properly. I'll see you all soon. Right, I just interrupt you there. The, the only times it doesn't, it deviates from that basic formula. It doesn't actually let you have any interaction. Yes. It's the part when you're building your house and it says, it's like, oh, you have to press X to hammer the nails in and ribbon. But if you don't, it just, it does it anyway. Yeah. Dro well, drove me mad. This is it, right? Because there's, there's so many valid criticisms of that style. Nakey Jakey has a great um, oh God, video on, great. on the... Uh, Rockstar's game design is outdated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, it, and that is true, but for me, I don't mind so much because that is always, for me, scripted in such a way that gives you the optimum experience. Mm. It might not be very... 
well, conducive <laughs> to video games and freedom, but the the, the, the script and the presentation, the performances yeah. for me are always worth. We're getting off forced. off topic a bit here, but I'd say that although I agree with what you're saying, it doesn't necessarily work when it's cloaked within an open world hmm. exterior because you're expecting one thing from the game and it's asking you to do something totally contrary during its missions. Their argument would be that everything folds into the immersion though. That but, it, but, you're, giant, but you're not like, immersed when you're being asked to do something in a mission that you, you could otherwise do in the open world and it just literally won't let you mm. or it'll tell you yeah. that you're wrong for doing so. Mm. Well, this, is, this has been the funny thing about this replay um, because I'd never hit any of those walls the first time around. I must have done each mission exactly as the game intended me to. But this right. time, whether it's because I was impatient or whether because I'd done it before, I was just instinctively trying new... I was trying to sneak around here or they trying to that. do this. And yeah, <laughs> and, and then it's just like, nope, this was not the plan. Get back to the checkpoint yep. and you're going to do it our way. And that's when I thought... Oh, so this is what people don't like about Red Dead Redemption 2. Yeah, Red I 2. had that at one of the missions later on where you uh, you have to sneak into like a big factory to sort of like get to this office and, and extract some plans. That's the one I did, yeah. Right, that's and I, I mean, yeah. it's not because I've been playing Assassin's Creed, but I just thought, well, you know, the goal is inside the building. Like, well, I'm assuming because I'm playing games that I can climb something and go through an air vent or something. So I started climbing up these different uh, like outhouses and stuff, and I got onto the roof and I just missioned out and just said, you went too far. And I'm that's like, the frustrating right. part. If it had some kind of contingency for you doing that and it reacted to you doing that, mm. Even if it's just a guy who shoots you dead, I'd maybe be okay with it. But it's the fact that the option is there, you have taken the option, and then it just hits you with a hard <laughs> ball of nah, you're not doing it. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and the mission just fails there, and it's not like, oh, okay, you've messed up here, you try and get out of this. Mm -hmm. like, I guess when, when a gameplay loop becomes like a track, and it's just so yeah. like, I want you to go so, through exactly this and be satisfied exactly here, and if you didn't do that, we're not going to It's kind of it. ironic. I finished Horse Game 2 recently, and I, I did overall enjoy the experience. I thought it was very patchy. Um, it was disjointed in places mm. and possibly a little bloated. But the best time I had with it was when I was actually not engaging in any of the gameplay loops, and I was literally just walking across the map and taking it in. Right. And that's when I think, you look at a game, you think, actually, it's so much more... Or there can be mm -hmm. so much more than just the lips that, un that, that, that underscore them. That's the thing that I think clashes with this. Because obviously you can boil down the vast majority of games to gameplay loops. And they are imperative to like what would be quote-unquote fun. But I think something like Red Dead 2 gives you this massive interactive canvas of yeah. the Old West. And like you said, you're not on a particular loop or a track at that point. You're just drinking it in. And there's like there's totally an intrinsic quality to that stuff that like doesn't need to sort of fall into the gameplay loop stuff. It's just it's an interesting expansion of where games went that they couldn't be done in the 90s um, or couldn't be done in the 80s. Um, like you literally couldn't have something that looks like Red Dead too and has all those qualities if you didn't have the rendering capabilities for it. So I think that's an interesting way that like games have gone um, that I, I haven't seen that many academic pieces like breaking it down yet. I think we, we also have more games now. Um, we did have some in the 90s, but not many, but mm. more games now where the, the loop either is it's barely existent or it's up to the player to decide what it is. And I'm thinking right. of narrative fiction mostly, game, games like Gone Home mm. and games like Her Story in particular. Uh, even Return of the Obradine, although it does give you feedback regular like if you get the answers right for mm -hmm. the most part you it just asks you to take a step back and effectively solve the game outside the game i guess the mm. loop in Oberdin would be filling that the book out and i guess well, like, no but that's what i mean yeah, yeah. That, it does have feedback in mm. it and there is an obvious goal in sight and there isn't the, the loop would be go in look at this thing and then come back out mm -hmm. of it but for the bit in between the action from a player is think about it mm. that's yeah, what it's yeah, asking yeah. you to do I think it's interesting uh, comparing it to or factoring in uh, game criticism as well we can do a whole separate part on this stuff but like you tend to find that in game criticism like you know people who have reviewed games for a long time like if they can identify the loop immediately and the game only repeats that loop over and over and over again then that will go down in, in the score unless they go down the whole like more objectivity route where it's like okay it's only aiming to perfect this one route and then they just do that times 100 but I tend to find the the more like you know the likes of like I said 
said something like Assassin's Creed Odyssey. It's like, okay, we know exactly what that thing's doing, and you'll be doing the same thing in 200 hours. Therefore, it's not going to score I think as highly as like Red Dead. Um, it's a bit of bias in, in review of fatigue. Because yes. then, no, I've played this game a hundred times, and now I have to play another one of these really long I games. I played the first version yeah. of this loop, then yeah. the bigger version, then the bigger version, and it's now on the same thing. Um, do you think that um, they, the industry thinks it can mandate fun? Because I think a lot of these things like are circling around the idea that, you know, well, if we put this like, this particular loop in, it'll be fun, it'll sell. Uh, and sometimes it works, but other times you get things like Anthem or Agents Well, it, it absolutely does work, unfortunately. Is, but it, otherwise... No, but things like Anthem totally fail. No, but like... I'm thinking about mobile games, which... Mm. They don't so much mandate fun, but they try and interrupt fun specifically. They understand how to profit from fun mm -hmm. by mm -hmm. withdrawing <laughs> fun. So you might be midway through a loop in Clash Clans, for example, and then suddenly it'll come up with a big block on the screen saying, mm -hmm. right, you need to pay to continue or you need to pay to get this resource. Yeah. I was going to mention as well that I think um, that idea of interrupting the loop is one of the most like uh, effective things. I think from software do it incredibly well, where it's like, okay, you've trained, you've got all your armor, you've like been you know grinding away for ages, you've put all the time in, but yeah, we're going to interrupt um, this completion by just killing you before you can beat the boss. And then that is such a compelling I, reason to get back and finish it. I yeah. don't mean to be vulgar, but it's it's like video game blue balls. It's <laughs> an awful thing to do with a player. On a podcast, <laughs> no less. Um, but yeah, I think all those things, because um, it's, it's hard to not see games like that once you're aware of things like, you know, we mentioned compulsion loops and game well, loops. Well, just MMOs are built on it. Yeah, they're yeah. built on it. They're built on the idea that you can log on and accomplish something within the space of five minutes, and mm. you don't realize actually what you've just done is meaningless. You, I think it's. I'll go on, Josh. No, I was going to say Benji has made a good point there about like the um, crit critic sort of fatigue of mm. MMOs are a good example because usually, and correct me if I'm wrong, usually you play one MMO. Like you, you have your MMO, whether it's Warcraft or whatever, and you log on every day and you play it. Whereas live service games now are aping the structure of an MMO, but there are so many of them and they're yeah. all vying for your attention that if you do jump from one to another, it's so transparent how they're built and how they're crafted. Mm. And that just does lead to you either being burnt out or wondering what the point is or where the fun is supposed to be. I was going to say, you can't go from one game that has dailies and has like, you know, cut down 20 trees, go get five things, go plunder five dungeons straight into another game that does exactly that because it is fatiguing and it is but it's, tedious to it's some degree. Because so many games are like that, it's also the reason why people get so perplexed when a game dares to try a new system mm. or a different control scheme or, you know, like you don't shoot by pressing the triggers, for example, and mm -hmm. people think this is wrong, this is not how a game should be. It's mm -hmm. almost like the industry's now defined what fun is well, rather than it being down to play. Me and you, we used to shoot with the face buttons. I still do, Bill, if Bill I can. I did a little bit. Did you? Yeah. I, I, I used to, it shocked me going back to some PlayStation <laughs> 2 games, like even one game that I loved, uh -huh. and you couldn't move where the gun was aiming. Like, you had to press L2 or something to, in a first-person <laughs> shooter, no less, to and aim just hope for the best. Gold, see, GoldenEye is really interesting in that regard because James mm. Bond, despite being a master of weaponry and, you know, a, a super spy, he can't shoot accurately unless he stands perfectly still. <laughs> he can't <laughs> shoot on the That's run. That's what they taught him in the academy. That's <laughs> yeah. just what he does. Because, um, yeah, we mentioned, uh, or we've noted down the idea of, like, genre expectations based on these loops. And like I said, it, it ties in with the whole idea of mandating fun and profitability, which I think the industry goes so back and forward on. It's such a whiplash. Um, like, I saw the thing that Housemark have delayed Stormdivers, which was their attempt at a battle royale. Now, we know exactly what that game would have been, uh, minus, like, you know, they assumedly have some different character types they should well, have a Katana. He's an interesting thing you say that we mm. know exactly what the game would be. And now a, a developer can or a publisher, more mm -hmm. likely, or can quite comfortably come out and say, uh, "He is franchise X, popular franchise X. It's going to be popular genre Y." Yeah, and immediately people get excited because, "Oh, it's going to be great!" I know that. Whereas yeah. before, you could 
you didn't know what a game was going to be until it came out. I think the, the general sentiment before launch back, like in the early 2000s, was I wonder what they're going to do this time, as it's, opposed to I know what I'm going to get this time. Yeah, yeah. it's like the game industry has been heavily codified, and now you select the type, the, the theme and the type of game from a library, put them together mm. and sell it. And mm-hmm. I think you know, oftentimes it, it's everything as in well. The it's not industry, just sorry. the yeah. gameplay loop. It's it's the way the UI looks. It's yep. the way the character models are designed. Um, now, the Outriders trailer dropped. It was Outriders? Yesterday. Outriders uh, trailer afternoon, dropped. Yeah. Yes, the afternoon. So, yeah. It looks like a satisfying game, but it also looks like a bunch of games I've played before. Yes. That makes sense. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned the UI because uh, Red Dead 2, since you mentioned it before, the UX to use a the language of... Designs, but um, it's <laughs> it's it's terrible. It's mm-hmm. like it's objectively terrible. But I really appreciate that it's different. Like they tried something and it didn't work, and it feels unique at the very least, even mm-hmm. though it's utterly cumbersome. <laughs> See, I was going to say that about um, Death Stranding. I love that that game yeah. felt different. And I know that obviously there well, are comparisons. I was like going to say a lot of a lot of Death Stranding. I thought was a meta criticism, or, or even even uh, it's quite uh, like an ironic take on some of these. I was going to say you had a general point about the way that the uh, weight allocation's done. Yeah, it's well, basically, Hideo Kojima looked at what's all the things people hear about games and made that into a game itself. Like he, he he's not looking at fun gameplay loops; he's looking at the 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 bits up the external bits that's designed to slow down those loops and mm. thought what if this was the game and i think it's very interesting i mean yeah i, I think i've mentioned before it, it's his equivalent of damien hurst's crystal skull the idea is will people buy this bag of rubbish <laughs> <laughs> and the answer was uh, not in the extent volumes yeah. you thought it was hoping but <laughs> like that's trying obviously it's kind of like fetch quest the game but even like when you decide to load uh, sam up with all these different items and stuff you can just press auto allocate instead you can just take yeah. the shortcut and there's other different sort of comments in that game about you know streamlining stuff and just trying to connect with everybody the fact the fact that the ui is literally unreadable and just overloaded <laughs> overloaded with information which i think again you don't need to know any of it you literally don't need to read any of it to do what that game right. wants you to do mm. and i think again that's commentary on as Josh was saying before, like the typical like information overload of UIs of the checklists and mm. the, the, the chores that you have to do, all these loops, mm-hmm. uh, to use a better word, oh, hoops, I should say, that you have to jump through. Mm-hmm. You know, I was very clever in that regard, even if yeah, it's not yeah. necessarily fun. It's uh, It just makes you think like all these things, all these sort of like, that idea that you can play directly into making a video game and it comes with XP bars and loot grinds and like all these different monetization practices and all these things that we've come to expect. But all those loops are super obvious. And for me, like I said, I'll bounce off them super quickly. Um, or you can have something that has more of the Nintendo magic or the Naughty Dog or the Rockstar magic. And a lot of those loops are buried in underneath. Well, I think the perverse genius of it <laughs> is that like publishers and marketers especially have managed to commercialize terms like gameplay loops yeah. We were yeah. looking at the Anthem press release, Ew. and it mentioned in there that we're going to go back to the drawing board and, you know, r- change around the gameplay loops <laughs> and this core it's, central it's, experience. It's mm-hmm. part of this, the wider issue. I, I really struggle to explain why it annoys me so much of basically games... You're going to complain about the word campaign. I am, I am, because because <laughs> uh, this, is a, this is a manifestation of that problem. Games being stripped of, of the soul, so that you just consider them in very, very, like brusque mechanical terms like the campaign's gameplay loop will be really, like excellent that's a thing that a, a published concern and a, and a, and a consumer a premium now understands yeah now understands you can obtain premium loop from the game's the campaign's gameplay loops that's not <laughs> that's 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 internal See, design speak that's not yeah, yeah. Uh, when you PR first mentioned stuff. this to me I think there's a way to look at it that is more positive in terms of like you know gamings and game uh, the gaming industry and gamers we have our own language yeah no that's that's nice that stuff's good it's, yeah. it's great that we have a jargon that we all understand and we always have because if you think Look back the word boss, what on earth 
Does that mean really? <laughs> it's a strange thing. Like level is a strange word. Yeah, Why especially we use in, level? Uh, in today's like yeah. uh, climate. Complete tangent. But Go when on. I was little and I was starting to talk to uh, people and friends about games in school, I wondered whether boss was just a term my dad made up. Like I didn't know if it was like regular. <laughs> Do you want to know? Boss lexical. Battle. It comes Go from on. Gallagher. Does it really? Boss Gallagher. You mean, Boss have, Gallagher? Yeah, one of, one of our esteemed colleagues. See, I love doing this with people. <laughs> Do you mean something. that the term came from a boss in Gallagher? Or we have a dude called Gallagher who works <laughs> No, no, that's just a coincidence. Okay. <laughs> he did not invent it. I know he's as old as Hills. Let me start referring to size Boss Gallagher now. <laughs> it was, uh, I think it was referred to in the instruction manual of Gallagher. Right. It was called the Boss Gallagher. Okay. And then that... Why they use the word boss, I don't know. It's a, obviously a hierarchical thing from Japanese business. Chap. Hey, it's stuck, you know? That's all that matters. It worked all right. I think um, we can end on just, we sort of had a couple of di uh, different games down that, um, you know, we can sort of pinpoint. Josh, you said you went back to old Metal Gear, and it's like as much as like that one is, you know, a stealth game, it's known for it, but you said that game kind of brings in a bunch of different genres and makes it work. Yeah, I mean, like, I went back to Metal Gear um, after playing a bunch of current-gen stuff and mm. kind of getting a bit burnt out on it, and I was surprised that of how little sneaking around and breaking people's necks you do in that game because I, I think of Metal Gear from <laughs> my want. childhood you can there is still lots of it uh, but it's not as consistent as I remembered it being it's not level after level it's one level then it's a boss then it's oh my god you're running down the side of a building away from a, right. a helicopter and stuff and it does such a good job of giving you these new mechanics and new enemies and new gameplay scenarios rather than a gameplay loop mm -hmm. it still occasionally defaults back to the sneaking but that's 40% of the whole game it's always but, I mean, new uh -huh. of course the new scenarios are underpinned by the previous loops but they're just being used in a new context which is mm. one game I've been playing recently I'm just looking for an excuse to talk about it's Luigi's Mansion 3 <laughs> which came out last year and I can't I haven't played I can't really understand why it didn't get more attention so the basic yeah. loop in that game is that you've got a hoover and you hoover things that is the game that is, that is well, the entire you, game you get whip stuff yeah you do you also can use a little sucky thing that goes <laughs> like that but um <laughs> I'm, I, I, I know what I'm doing every room. I'm going to go in, hoover everything up. Some ghosts will come, I'll hoover them up, and then the lights will come on. That is fully. But I'm excited to see where it goes because I'm trying, I'm thinking of all the new ways in which it's going to use this hoover, this vacuum <laughs> cleaner, like the new context that I can suck and blow on. If and that it, 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 game... I, I know it's not going to be the same at the end as it is at the start. I was going to say, if that game threw up on screen, go go to five different ghosts and... You, you wouldn't know, do it. Well, yeah. right? Yeah. Like, I don't know. The, it wouldn't the, be fun. The more they visualize that, the more it becomes more like an Activision game or, yeah. or an Ubisoft game. Um, and if that takes away from what's actually hooking you right now. Like, the thing that's hooking you right now is that you're lost in it, assumedly. I, I, way more pretty much. It. I will compare the the Metal Gear Solid 1 game to Metal Gear Solid 5 because mm. I loved the loop of that sneaking into base and stuff very mechanically satisfying. But the problem I have with that game is it gives you a bunch of stuff and it <laughs> says infiltrate how you want and I yeah, say but no I because that. I've got one optimum solution say, to every this, problem this is what gamers do they, dis they destroy your lovely designs what they'll do is yeah. they'll find a cheat and find the easiest way to do things even if it's not the most fun but genuinely yeah, yeah. exactly that well, listen, there's a really yeah. uh, like a, when we were designing the redesigning the website a couple of years ago there was like this whole this image of like a um, like a really well cut piece of grass and like a, a path that went around like this 90 degree like corner and it was like you know like the intended experience and then just like a path a dirt path carved through the grass <laughs> meeting both points on the uh, on the pathway I, um, just saying like the user experience I literally like, have that's one of what those outside my house mm -hmm. <laughs> like it was, it was just as a field and you have to walk 
up a hill and round it. It's it's lit, but there's, a, there's just a, a path for like directly only ever through take, yeah. like only ever over a that. fence. Yeah, it's, it's like and I understand it. I do it as well. It's yeah. the way. I think to bring all of it together, I wanted to mention a quote from uh, Hugo Martin, which is the creative director on Doom Eternal. Because um, for me, I'm I'm curious on Doom Eternal. I love me some Doom, but Doom Eternal is very much and to quote him, a video game ass video game. Because um, they said they they've brought in all these different XP bars and brightly colored power ups, and they were in the in 2016's one. Um, XP bars went, but um, at the end of each level now, you get the, the big shiny firework display of like you've unlocked this and ping 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 and all these different things and it's like oh my god you're it's a game look at this look at this thing look at what you're doing and for me that makes me go oh uh, I don't want that I don't want you to be do Ubisoft you, do you remember when completing a level was rewarding itself yes and I didn't need this thing fl- like you know freaking out and give me a little mini fireworks display and a little give yeah. me a dab I it's, don't need it it's part of a much larger conversation I suppose but I thought this when achievements and trophies started being a thing I, I thought it too mm. I wondered yep. why I was doing stuff beforehand I remember like going back to all the games like Playstation games and thinking I used to just experiment and try to have fun and now if there's no tangible reward attached to it I think what's the <laughs> point and then I'm really disappointed in myself for thinking that way right, and right, ironically right. the only games I ever really really want to find everything I do 100% in are Nintendo games Mm, because yeah. they internally incentivize me to do it because the actual process is fun. I have, yeah. I have more or less one. I know we're going on, but I've, I, this this is a good conversation, I think. And I, that's a good point, Ben, because when I play my Switch, I feel so unencumbered by systems. That's when I'm yeah. playing the PlayStation 4 games, as much as I love them, I feel like I'm just like overwhelmed by features and systems and loops and mechanics, whereas Nintendo, like you said, has that magic. It has that freedom. It has that mm. simplicity, or at least the illusion of simplicity, where... It feels like I'm a kid again. It feels like <laughs> I'm doing stuff for the pure joy of doing it. Genuinely, when I went through Breath of the Wild, it reminded me of what the the, the pure beauty core of gaming is. And that sounds cheesy as hell, well, but there was something about that game that was so pure. Here's an example from Luigi's Mansion. Oh, but there's always <laughs> Luigi's Mansion, is it? After Bring it on. It's a slight spoiler for this game, but you have to rescue some of your mates who have been trapped in paintings. <gasps> and at one point, you rescue one of the little toads. I was, I was going to say, is it toad? Yeah, one yeah, of them's a little toad. toad. Obviously, the first toad. one you get because he's the least important. But uh, <laughs> it, you have to, you have to take him back to the lab, so you escort him through about three rooms, and all ghosts are gone. So it's basically just a case of walking. Mm. But because, while you're doing it, there's a couple of rooms left to explore, and obviously you're blown around with your Hoover. And he can, if he walks in front of you, you'll accidentally suck up a little toad, and you'll go, he'll <laughs> get sucked up on it in your vacuum, and then you can ping him out, and he bounces off the walls. And there's no application for this because you've already solved all the puzzles, yeah. and you only have them for two rooms. And and that just made me so happy, more happy than the whole eighty hours of Red Dead Two. I was going to say any other game would have pointed pointed to it and said, "Do this, do, do this, this twenty yeah. times. Make sure you're doing this thing we made." Yeah, um, which it's after totally a while. missable as well. It's, it's just. That idea of like Magic. the true genius of a game being something that you have to stumble upon to as opposed to being front-loaded is the best stuff in games. And I think that across the 2010s, so many different devs went away from that. Yeah. Um, but going forward, I mean, hopefully like the next generation will bring those things in. If EA can change, <laughs> and maybe they can, then maybe there's hope for us all. Um, but yes, for now, this has been the World Culture Gaming Podcast. Please head over to social media and use the hashtag WCGP to leave your thoughts and questions, and we'll get around to them next time. For now, though, I've been Scott from WorldCulture.com, and this has been Josh Brown. That's not how I usually do that <laughs> at all. How did I do that? I was getting ready for this. I'm Josh from What I've been your host, Scott Tailford, joined by Josh Brown. Goodbye. I'm Benjamin Richardson. Goodbye. Bye. See ya. Ciao. <laughs> <laughs>
Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.